0: The planet is restless, Captain. They want their podcast. And they shall have it. I'll beam down to the surface. You have the bridge, Captain. That is illogical. These are Trek fans. They will challenge and dissect your knowledge with great emotion. It is a mission fraught with danger, peril, and grave risk. Suggestions? Send in the red shirts.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, this is a special edition of The Red Shirts featuring the one and only Claire a So first off, let it be known that I decided, you know, I'm a, I'm a benevolent captain here on the USS Internet. I decided to give my regular crew, my bridge crew, some shore leave over on Risa. But that doesn't mean the mission has to come to a complete stop. I was able to beam aboard a new crew member, and that is the one, the only actress, singer, stunt person, Claire Lane from Los Angeles. Claire, how are you?
0: I'm doing all right. How are you?
1: I'm good, I'm good. Now did you get the did you get your standard issue red shirt in the mail? We sent that to you.
0: Oh, you know what? I must have missed that.
1: <laughs> oh, did you? The damn USPS. What what can you say? I blame it on <laughs> Trump. But anyway Um, So, why is this a special edition? It's because we just had a premiere of a new sci-fi program. That would be The Orville, starring Seth MacFarlane, Adrian Palicki, and I don't remember any of the other cast member names. But uh, this show, you know, there was some anticipation for the show, because... Here at the Red Shirts, we are Star Trek fans. Claire Lanay is an honorary Red Shirt. She's a big Star Trek fan, as am I. So, I don't know about you, Claire, but I've been on Facebook and other chat boards, message boards, saying how much I thought I was going to dislike this show, how it looked bad, it looked cheap, the jokes didn't look that great, and I was just offended as a Star Trek fan, uh, going back and forth with other people about this. And the show premiered last night. Now, we're going to talk about that, but let me ask you, what was your take about this show when they were showing the trailers, the previews? Were you having fights with Star Trek fans about how you thought the show was going to be bad, or were you being more open-minded? Or Tell me a little bit about that.
0: Well, you know, when I saw the trailer, I really thought I was going to give myself the chance to, to be open-minded about this. And in fact, in fact, because... I was already a little bit more reticent about Star Trek Discovery, and I was actually more nervous about that. There was something appealing about having a show be a little bit more lighthearted, playing homage, something more fun in the the sense in the vein of um, Galaxy Quest.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: Which I happen to love. That is a very enjoyable, very funny movie that can that can poke fun at all the ins and outs of being on uh, an iconic show where you have to deal with you know, Fans and the adoration that can get to a fever pitch and that can become irritating Um, the fighting that can go on the diva behavior behind the scenes. I mean, it was able to really nail all of that Mm -hmm. as a great send up and yet, you know, love letter to the Star Trek franchise. But uh, Tim Allen, Sigourney Weaver, Alan Rickman, I mean, they killed it. It was hilarious. So I was hoping. I was hoping, I was under the impression that this was going to be in that vein. I started reading the reviews, which, you know, I have a morbid fascination with reading that stuff. What can I say? I love them. I love them. Yeah. I exactly. It's just it's I I find it to be very interesting, you know, especially from uh sources that I, you know, that I've come to trust. Or that I feel is in somewhat alignment to what I generally, you know, take away upon viewing shows and movies and whatnot. So I was reading some stuff that just really hammered the pilot episode. And sadly, after having watched it myself, I have to agree that this is a mess it is a complete disaster, and as much as Seth MacFarlane prides himself in being a hardcore Star Trek fan, which which has been proven, don't get me wrong, it has been proven... He, he appeared on, on one a,
1: episode, right? He appeared on a, um, was it an Enterprise episode, I believe, right?
0: I believe so. Yeah. I believe so. He And he has a very fond relationship with, you know, Patrick Stewart and... Uh, and obviously, uh, Sir Patrick has been on American Dad for, for many years now. Right, right. Um, He's best friends with Brandon Braga, you know. So he, he I don't doubt, I don't doubt his, uh, his fandom, right. <laughs> his, mm-hmm. uh, his love of Trek. I just feel that because of, you know, his long-standing relationship with Fox, and in terms of how he presents himself and the product that he's put forth, he is not an actor. He is not someone that you think would have the the vulnerability or the depth or the range to perform and or write the kind of stories that he aspires to. And what do I mean by aspire? The trailer... And the advertising leading up to the Orville completely misleading, complete lie. You go in thinking that this is a comedy. Because that is how they, they showed it to you. That's how they presented it to you uh, this whole time. And when you watch the show, yeah, there are gonna be some some you know potty mouth, you know, low brow. You know, low brow humor.
1: Yeah, Yeah. that was the guy who created Family Dad. So, yeah.
0: (laughs) Right, right. I like how you said Family Dad. A nice, a nice amalgamation of Family (laughs) Guy and American Dad.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. um, Family Guy. Yes.
0: (laughs) But the thing is, is that you know, it just the jokes aren't funny. So, if you're trying to be a comedy, you're failing. And for trying to be a drama, which clearly this show wants to be, this show takes itself very seriously, and it's not half an hour. It's an hour. So it's already under that category. It, the, the thing is, is that there's so many ways in which this is a misfire. He's not the right guy to tell that kind of story. McFarlane is not a dramatic actor or writer, period. Right. And because of that relationship with Fox over the years, he's got he's gotten them a lot of money, a lot of money. They were able to work out a deal where either he had them over a barrel or he was cashing in, you know, this huge favor where he gets to basically run around doing very expensive cosplay. And, I mean, that's what it is. That's what it comes down to. I mean, don't get me wrong. The, the production value isn't terrible. By today's standards, it does still look relatively cheap and cheesy. I think but so. I forgive that. I forgive that because I suspect that's part of the appeal. That's what they were going for. But it's so completely out of sync with the type of storyline or quote-unquote plot that they were trying to pull off, which is a bit more Trekkian. It's a bit more existential, philosophical, trying to be deep. And I'm sorry, that is not what, <laughs> that's not what they presented themselves to be. And if that's what they want, they're not pulling it off. Well, you know,
1: Claire, you brought up Galaxy Quest. And of course this got a lot of comparison to that. Now this was before, to your point, this is before, when we thought we were getting a comedy. And just on that level, the reason now I, I thought Galaxy Quest was okay. I th- I think you liked it a little bit more than I did, but it was entertaining. Uh it was a nice diversion and being a Trek fan I could appreciate uh Galaxy Quest for what it was. But the thing is, the catch of that or the hook was that they weren't the the characters weren't really space space furring people. They were actors who got caught up in an outer space scenario, and that's what—that was the hook or the gimmick that made it work, that made it funny. Because then you truly are, you truly have the fish out of water syndrome. Here, it's like, dude, if you want to make a drama that has occasionally lame jokes uh, sprinkled in, then you're just ripping off Star Trek. I I don't know how to explain it. I just don't know how this works on any level. Because we don't need another dramatic show that looks like a parody of Star Trek. And my concern is that if this show does poorly, it's going to reflect on Star Trek. It's going to damage Star Trek's brand because it's borrowing so heavily from it.
0: Completely. Just because for those who are not hardcore or even casual fans who really understand what star trek was about what it what it was meant to be what it was meant to symbolize then watching this you can't help but think wow this is pretty lame this is very cheesy badly written badly paced a complete waste of adrian Man, she needs to get back on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: I I would love to see that. (laughs) Yes.
0: That was an embarrassment for her.
1: I mean... And what's funny is a lot of the people I'm hearing, I don't know if you're hearing this, but we're going to be uh, featuring a show that has um, a gentleman named Rob Gallo who does a lot of work for a um, YouTube channel that's very Star Trek heavy called Midnight's Edge. And he was uh, uh, saying that it's rumored that most of the cast of Discovery... They are looking for exit strategies, which is really disappointing to hear. But I just gotta think that the people on this show might want to do the same thing to your point, because uh, I mean, I don't think I laughed once. I, I really see, And the thing is is that it's basically Seth MacFarlane behaving like he's that fish out of water. like there's a scene, and you, you'll know what I'm talking about being being an actress. There's a scene that's just complete exposition that's just so poorly written where he goes through and introduces every one of his crew members instead of finding instead of the writers finding a an organic way of introducing us the audience to those crew members we see him interview each one of those guys standing in a line and he goes down and he, he goes down and talks to each one of them and there's sort of a smug kind of uh, reaction to every character there's one character i don't know the character's name but he's the big guy with the brown brown big bulb his head and he goes oh we only urinate once every year and mcfarland's like oh wow okay that's interesting you don't have to worry about the toilet seat being up it's like this is the level of the jokes are you kidding me you know one might think that if you're trying to be a dramatic representation Oh, you're trying to be a dramatic kind of spin off of star trek those jokes wouldn't really play because if you're in that world it just seems cheesy that you're do- being doing smug lazy jokes about these aliens that just don't fit because you're in that world that's your world now if you are like galaxy quest if you're an actor who's thrown into outer space then the joke works you know
0: what i'm saying <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, everything about this, everything about this is a very poor, like you said, ripoff. You know, through and through. I mean, instead of the Federation, it's called the Union. You know what I'm saying? I the guy, you know, that you're re- you're referencing, that alien, clearly a stand-in for Worf. Right. In terms of the humor, it's just all over the place. I mean, first of all it's just not funny. I mean, it's really not, it's, it's bad. It's, it's just embarrassing. Like I'm, I'm uncomfortable with how awkward these jokes are to where they, they, they get dragged out for a beat too long. And I get it. You have to fill the space because he is not accustomed to doing an hour long broadcast. Which, you know, again, to be fair, you do the math minus commercials, it adds up to about 44, 45 minutes. But he's not used to that. He's not used to that format because he's always done his, you know, animated sitcoms and the like, which ends up being more like 22 minutes of, of total content. So not only did he annoy me, but the redhead, the redhead, everything that came out of his mouth, Oh yeah, was so unbelievably crass that I couldn't help but feel like this is completely, like for you guys to try to rip off Star Trek, but then kind of take a dump all over it by behaving this way. Because everything that guy said, it just drove me nuts. It drove me nuts.
1: Yeah, the the hug the donkey joke, I'm like, okay, we get it. It's like kind of a semi-erotic thing but it's supposed to be funny uh, and you know here's for me the beginning scene where he catches his wife in bed with the blue guy and then for whatever reason uh, he blue liquid spurts out of his forehead I mean if you're going to be commit to the joke shouldn't the blue liquid spurt from under the covers that would make the joke halfway funny if you're going to be crass about it but the lo- the level of jokes weren't clever at all I did, i'm trying to think of one funny thing that i saw and um correct me if i'm wrong the robot i forget the robot's name it's like it's like the special effects budget ended at that robot but
0: oh my god was that he, supposed to be from like lost in space
1: or c-3po or something i'm not sure but
0: I mean, good god but didn't he what say was the did, budget what was he, the budget on this show
1: didn't he say um that the robot belonged to a racist a racist alien group? He mentioned yes, something. Yes, he did. So, I didn't did the robot say anything racist or anything like that or?
0: Not at all. I mean, he made a comment about how he thinks that they're they're superior. They feel that they are superior compared to all others, but beyond that, there wasn't anything else inherently racist about it
1: which is good Uh, maybe the racism was racism against the human race i don't know maybe that's what that was about but
0: exactly that's what they were talking about
1: okay and but even then at least uh, i don't know if you're gonna go there commit to it (laughs) you know what i mean so all right so did anything about the show work i mean i thought i don't know i don't know if i went in this hoping that it would work and I, I really maybe I'm being prejudiced because I, I want Discovery to do so well. And again, I found that I was fighting with people about, oh, you know, and Claire, this pissed me off the most. People saying, "Well, Discovery looks like it's gonna suck," you know, discover Star Trek Discovery. It's an STD, get it? Ugh. And people saying, "Oh, well, we'll give the Orville a chance. The Orville looks like it's gonna be everything Star Trek Discovery is not."
0: Well what were they wanting discovery to be?
1: Well, well, you know, you know, we we've kind of gone through this. It does look like discovery is not going to be the trek that we're from that you know us uh, traditional trekkers are used to. True. You know, but that's no reason for us to, to on it. I mean, yeah, you and I and Big Sexy and Craig, we've all expressed our concerns, but we're going to still be there and it's going to be you know, I think it looks entertaining. the the The, the effects look like they, they they blow anything I saw away on the screen for this show, The Orville. But to to put these two up against each other, it's like, I I don't know. I I don't want to wave my Trek flag too much, but it's like, to me, this was a slap in the face to Star Trek fans. If it had been good, okay, I may be like, damn it, I'll, this may be better than Discovery. And I want Discovery to do good because it's got Star Trek branding. But if the show had been funny or if it had been what it had been built to be, a comedy, and the comedy was actually funny, I'd be like, okay, good one, Fox. Good one, Seth. But like you said, it looked cheap. It looked too much like a ripoff. And the jokes were just like every... It felt like they had to write some lame joke on every page of the script. Uh, I mean, was there anything original about this in your, in your opinion?
0: Anything original?
1: Anything that made you say, I want to watch this again next week? Because <laughs> I'm one and done. I think I'm one and done.
0: I might be as well. Honestly, I might be as well. I might be done. I thought that it was inspired that they had this little wee thing you know, alien who is uh, a lot stronger than humans Oh yeah. as chief of security. I thought that was different, I guess. Um, certainly not enough to keep my interest. <laughs> I mean, they got, you know, I'm, I'm trying. I'm scraping the barrel. <laughs> okay. I'm trying to find the positives. They have a woman of color as the chief medical officer. Who was, DS9,
1: who was on DS Nine? was
0: on DS Nine? By the way. Yes, yes, that's right. I remember her. Oh, I remember her when she was dressed all in red, trying to, you know, you know, get with Cisco. Right. right. Oh, she, ooh, gorgeous, gorgeous. That was that was a minute, right? <laughs> um, I think, so yeah, they had a woman of color as the chief medical officer. They had a man of color as like the co-pilot.
1: I had a little issue with him. Yeah, he, he had a little bit too much of that laid back kind of stereotypical. Like he didn't seem very, uh, you know. Let me let me stop. <laughs> I, I'm asking for, for perfection. I mean, he was no Jordy. Let's put it that way. Right. <laughs> let's put it he that way. He didn't
0: seem to really give a damn about yeah. his job.
1: He he was more like that. It's gonna do what it do, kind of brother. That's that's what I took away from him.
0: <laughs> and he just wanted to make sure that he could drink his soda. Right. Again, see that that was and that
1: was considered a joke, right? Why is that funny? And why do they? Why is that funny? It?
0: Yeah, I don't get it. Like honestly, and the whole thing with um, oh man, the whole thing with the husband and wife or the exes fighting, it was so tired. Tired. Oh God! It was. Just... It was.
1: It was Ross and Rachel. Sam and Diane. Mm. Uh, you know. That is the so then so then Claire, did, could you predict that they were gonna end up on the same ship together? Did you see that
0: coming? I mean, of course they give <laughs> it away in the damn trailer.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: You know, that's part of the setup. It's like, ooh, how is he gonna be able to cope with this brand new ship and the admiral who didn't even wanna give it to him, and then having his first officers, his ex wife, oh my god, chaos will ensue. and it's just so hackneyed, it's so dated, it's so tired, it's so derivative, and and just boring, boring. And I just, I felt bad for Palicky. This girl has been in it for quite a while, you know? And I've seen her from, you know, when she was, oh, my gosh, I think she was in, like, Smallville. Was she in Smallville? Yes, for, like, one or two episodes. She was, like, that was you know, 11 years ago, <laughs> wow. she's really worked her way up. I'm telling you, she's worked her way up through all the, you know, the Smallville, Supernatural, you know, all these little guest stars, co-stars. And then she was on that show Friday Night Lights. And um, she was trying to, you know, originally for that TV pilot that David E. Kelly was doing, she was going to be Wonder Woman. Yeah.
1: I mean, she, that, that was she, not a good look, though, I have to say. No, that. it
0: was not. Woo. She dodged a bullet. Yeah. She dodged a bullet with that, and but she she you know she's proven herself to be a viable action, actioner. You know she she was in that, that GI Joe movie with The Rock, and then she was Agents of Shield as hey, Mockingbird.
1: She was a badass in John Wick the first one too.
0: Oh, I know, I know, going toe to toe with Keanu. I mean, she was, she was no joke, and she's super tall, so she can absolutely like pull that off. I mean, mm-hmm. she's she's. Definitely, you know, someone that I've always been a fan of and, and very happy for. But I'm just bummed because she's gotten herself stuck on a show that is so beneath her. It's so, oh, man. I mean, her co-star is going to be back on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.
1: Her co- so, uh, which Which one?
0: The guy that played her husband. Oh, the British ex, guy. Yeah, the Irishman.
1: Oh, he was, he was, our yeah. okay, okay.
0: he's going to be back. He's going to be back next year, come wow. season five.
1: Okay.
0: And I'm just like, well, you know what? We knew that was going to happen. We knew that was going to happen because their pilot, their spinoff totally got tanked. And so I just wish we could find a way to get her back on there and away from this crap. But, um, but it's interesting that you mentioned that people are trying to find an exit mm-hmm. strategy off of discovery, because I, to be honest with you, I'm not really jazzed to see that either. Listen, hmm. I get upset, okay, as I do with all these other trolls and haters and racist pieces of <laughs> but I get upset when people want to, you know, want to judge the show because, oh, well, now we got this, you know, white genocide. Give me a break. Give me a break. They see an Asian woman and a black woman and they freak out. So I I do feel a sense of disgust when I see those comments. Mm -hmm. And I feel almost like a sense of allegiance and obligation to support Trek, not just because I've been a long term fan, but because of, you know, the hate. I want the show to do well. I want it to be good But unfortunately, overall, I instinctively, objectively, am not excited about it. And I really, really have my doubts as to whether or not it's going to get past this first season. Because to me, having CBS air the pilot on the network and then the remaining episodes on their streaming, that to me is already a major hurdle A major obstacle in saying, oh, well, we want to do Star Trek. We want to bring it back to life. But we're not going to throw our full support behind it. We're not going to air it on network television. Uh, We require a subscription.
1: Yeah, so, you know, um, we do. Well, shameless plug coming up. We do get into those topics on an upcoming show. I'm going to try to get that show out. This is the one with Rob Gallo. I'm going to try to have that out by Thursday. So, yeah, check that out. We do kind of get into the whole, well, we actually get into the racial thing with Discovery and all that backlash. And we we discuss a little bit about, you know, the actors, um, uh, their their reaction to all of that and the whole CBS All Access thing. We, we do get into it. But I'll tell you this. After seeing the Orville, and this leads me to a question I want to ask you, Claire. After seeing the Orville, it makes me even more hopeful about Discovery. I- I'm kind of like, you know, I complained about the Klingons. I'm not happy with it. I complained about the uniforms, this and that. But I really, sh- I want this show to do good now, to do well, because I want it to just... I want this show to say, you cannot f*** with Star Trek, Seth MacFarlane. <laughs> I want it to be a kick in the balls, the, the balls of Seth McFarlane. That's what I want. So the show has to do well right now. Um, let me ask you this question. Did you go into the Orville open-minded? Did you go into it thinking, you know, because I'll be honest with you. Maybe there's a little hater in me, but I, I I, wanted this. I was happy when I saw those reviews come out last week that, that really slashed the show. I was happy. So I admit I'm being a little prejudiced. And I watched the show. I and I try to be open-minded. I watch it and I try to say, "Don't let my Trek thing get in the way." And just watching, I just I felt bored. And I felt like, oh, this is so by the numbers." The special effects were both good and bad. Sometimes they were really good, but the design, the ship designs, looked cheesy. They reminded me of Michael Jackson, the Scream video. <laughs> Did uh, you know so? Did you have the same problem I had? Did you go into a, a little bit prejudice? Did you try to go into open-minded? And do you, the criticism you're giving it, do you, do you think that it's being influenced a little bit by your love of track?
0: Okay, so the first part of that would be, yes, I tried to go in open-minded. Hell, I, the fact that I bothered bother to watch the damn thing, <laughs> the fact that I bothered to even spend my time watching it means that I'm open-minded.
1: There you go. Okay.
0: Okay. But the thing is, is that even if I hadn't read the reviews, which basically articulated a lot of the things that frustrated me about the pilot, even if I hadn't read it, even if I wasn't a a, a Trek fan, you know, if you completely step back and from an objective point of view, examine this show as a complete, um, you know, an outsider looking in
1: if you're not that well versed on trek is that what you mean
0: exactly if you're not that well versed on trek or you know even with like science fiction altogether okay okay if you really look at this show the pacing the writing it's weak even from the most objective point of view it's not up to par it's not funny and it has an identity problem the show doesn't know if it wants to be a comedy or a drama. Right. And not to say not to say that we don't have dramedies, okay, which are hour-long shows that do have some comedic elements interspersed. This show doesn't pull it off. It just doesn't. And it's trying to be something that it, it just fundamentally cannot, which is deep. Well, this show cannot be deep because first of all we don't take it seriously even though it takes itself seriously but the whole premise the way it's written the the you know the man in charge here i mean let's get let's face it he is the star he's written himself to be you know kirk picard whatever he's not the one to imbue any sort of of philosophical or like moments of, of, you know, vulnerability or growth. They tried, they tried towards the end when he asks her to stay, when initially he was so quick to get rid of her.
1: Yeah, but that's you know, the screenplay was gonna have that in there. Of course,
0: because this style of writing is so, it's so rudimentary.
1: Banal. Banal.
0: Yes, (laughs) yes, a 12 year old could have written this.
1: So let me ask you real quick, Claire, so why do you think, I mean, now I, I'm not saying this is the majority uh, response, but, I, you know, I'm on like seven different um, Facebook Star Trek fan pages and I'm seeing people say, hey, we loved it. I, I saw um, I follow Marina Sirtis on uh, Twitter.
0: I know she, she threw her support behind it.
1: She loved it. Jonathan Frakes said, um, well, he, he, he said something positive about, OK, all engines are go. Here comes the Orville or something like that.
0: Well, he's part of it.
1: Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're
0: right. He's part of it. He's also part of uh, Discovery. He's also going to be directing an episode on Discovery.
1: So, okay. So you got. uh, I think. I think you said. uh, Well, I don't want to mention any names because you you are in the business. So, that's just not. I'm not going to mention specific names. But we know that there are Star Trek alumni. I mean, people who've done some fantastic work in the Berman era of Star Trek. They're working on this show. My question to you is. How, why do you think Trek fans aren't, any Trek fans are embracing this show, which they clearly are, and why do you think that even with the pedigree of some of the Trek alumni who produced, wrote some of the best Trek stories in the Berman era,
0: how do we get this? That is an excellent question, and I am utterly baffled. Listen, when it comes to praise, especially via social media, I don't put too much weight behind it. I really don't because everybody in Hollywood is full of. They all have to be, you know, nice to each other, friendly. And, and I, I get it. You got to play the game. You got to play the game because at some point you may end up working with this person. Oh, yeah. yeah, At some point, this person, you know, did something for you or, you know, showed their support for you. And so you want to reciprocate in kind. So I get it. That's fine. That's fine. So I don't necessarily trust it, though, in terms of the praise and the support. But in terms of the facts, how is it possible that people who were instrumental, as you said, in some of the most, oh, man, unique and remarkable examples of science fiction writing and production within the Trekverse, how is it possible that they contributed to what we just saw? How is this possible? How did we end up with something so beyond subpar? I asked that myself when I was done watching it. I I don't really understand. I know that McFarlane, much has full say like i was watching interviews and i'm he is the man in charge here Mm -hmm. it really he is the one that has you know first and last say when it comes to the script revisions characterization tone i mean he he oh the only thing he doesn't touch is the technical stuff which is the vfx props set design but, I mean, I'm so... Oh,
1: God. We, I don't know. You know, let me jump in here real quick, quick Claire. I'm wondering if... from Now, I, I will, in all full disclosure, I missed a, most of the middle part. I missed the part, like, I had to tune out for to take care of something, and my DVR wasn't working, so I couldn't record it. But when they get to the space station or something where Brian George... Uh, the beloved um he's a british indian actor he's playing that he plays the scientist who creates the banana ray as seth mcfarlane refers to it from that point to when they get into a battle with the the creatures who look like jim hadar who want the ray i, I missed that middle section but i get I, I do recall there was a very dramatic space battle that was peppered with bad jokes I get a sense that the Trek alumni, they were responsible for all the dramatic parts and all of the action parts. And Seth MacFarlane, you know, wrote to their treatments of those scenes. If You you know what I'm saying, because you're an actress. They, Absolutely. Came up with, they came up with the treatment for those particular scenes, and he wove them. He, he fleshed them out and added in all the bad jokes. So uh, that's the only thing I can come up with, all the action and the drama. And if there was any technical stuff, that's probably where they kicked in. All the bad jokes like banana ray, that's Seth MacFarlane.
0: <laughs> yeah. that whole thing like, oh we know we need no longer fear the banana.
1: Yeah I exactly. mean, give
0: me a break.
1: Yeah. It's just it, it all it all seems like just uh, filler. The jokes all seem like filler.
0: It is filler when, and even that banter. Be, even say, that yeah. banter when she's like, oh okay, should we does this work for all fruit? How about salads?
1: Exactly. Like, it went on way too shut long. Shut up. It went on way too long.
0: And that's how it is for all the jokes. Yeah. All the jokes are bad to begin with, and they get stretched out for a beat too long, simply because, like I said, he is not accustomed to to producing, you know, an hour-long television show.
1: You're, you know, you're right. Now, if this thing had the pacing and the... the... I'm going to use the word acerbic wit of family guy. Maybe if it were a half hour long, it might, that might make, that might color the, what is a horse of a different color? It may make it totally different, workable. But I think you're right. I think some of those jokes were stretched out so long because he was just trying to fill time.
0: Exactly. And the problem is, is that when you do that, just like with anything, with anything, you're drawing attention To the fact that the joke wasn't that funny to begin with.
1: Yes. Yep.
0: But if you keep it at a real sharp, quick pace and move on to the next beat, then the audience isn't going to really... It's not going to be so glaringly obvious that the joke really wasn't that great. Why are we still on it?
1: Well, what makes it, you know, not that I am... I love comedy. I've written uh, uh, at least one comedy pilot. It got rejected. (laughs) But... You know, I've, I've written some comedy, and what makes the joke funny is if you tell the joke and then cut away from it right away, and it's almost like you, you hit a brick wall of laughter, you know, uh, of humor. It's like, oh, we got to react to that, and we laugh. Well, if you let it drag on, it dies.
0: Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Regardless of whether or not you're trying to do um, single camera or multi-camera, single camera comedies are a lot more prevalent nowadays. Yes. Yep. Because it's just it's supposed to feel more realistic, more in the moment. Whereas multi-camera comedies, you know, the traditional sitcom, is is performed in front of a live audience.
1: And, it and even be, it, has then, be it has to be punchy. Has to be punchy. Has to move.
0: It has to move. Right. And even then, sometimes it's not live. I I gotta tell you, I've been on multiple sets where there have been fragments or sections that have been shot and then used a laugh track. Oh sure. Anyway. Yeah. Yes, that is still done, even to this day. But the whole point is, is that you have to be able to move. Even when you give it a beat, like momentary, to allow the audience to have the joke hit them right. so that they can laugh and react, yes. yes, and then boom, move on to the next. Right. Keep talking, right. move the scene forward, move on with the dialogue. Don't just keep dragging it out, you know, because then it's like, all right, now it's just awkward. And I just felt like that was pretty much the situation with the entire episode. And you made a good point. You made a good point. When it comes to these people that we really admire, that have been part of the, the, the Trek-verse, the, the Burman era, you're right. I suspect that they're they're playing to their strengths, which is mostly the, um, the existential and the dramatic elements of Trek, the exploratory elements whereas seth he's gotten you know full control over everything else the characters their dynamic the jokes the pacing the delivery the delivery of the material
1: well we're going to wrap this up um and i don't want to be too negative because you know I, i i know there are a lot of people out there who like this some of the you know i i was um I was amazed to see how many people hate critics, you know, and I can understand people wanting to assert their own ego and their own opinion. How dare a critic try to influence me? But, you know, critics know a lot more than we do. That doesn't mean we should follow them and blindly uh, agree with them, but I'll listen to a critic before I make a choice on whether or not I want to go see something. (laughs) Because, you know, one assumes they have degrees in film theory, study mechanics, you know things like that, but yeah, you know, I. If you as a Trek fan, and I'm talking to the audience now, if you enjoyed this, good on you, more power to you. I, I am going to say that it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. What what was that coach? It was what what I thought it was. To paraphrase him. <laughs> um, so listen, if you enjoyed it, I don't want to come off as a negative person, but I, I I, don't get it. I don't get it, and I think it's, again, I'll say it again, I think it was a slap in the face. It is a slap in the face to Star Trek fans. It. I didn't really see it as an homage. I saw it as showing all of the, maybe the problems with Trek, or the, the things that we accept about Trek. It's almost like Seth MacFarlane was making fun of the things that we accept about Trek and that we enjoy about Trek. I don't know if that makes any sense. But
0: It does. It does. Yeah. Especially when it comes to things like the things that we we might have curiosities about uh-huh. that he wants to bring up, assuming that, oh, wouldn't it be funny if we talked about the fact that no one ever has food or drink on the bridge or that no one ever discusses having to go pee. Like, let's let's just put that in there cuz that'll be funny.
1: Right. And some of the jokes were. There was one joke. I'm like, dude, we, we did that back in Nemesis, or, uh, you know, <laughs> where he says, um, where the 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 guy, the bad guy, beams onto the ship, and the, they build up this whole thing where, oh, he uh, he's got a laser uh, uh, on us. Uh, he's got a gun. Uh, you know, we have. He doesn't have seatbelts. <laughs>
0: oh my, <sighs> God. that was that one. Just that one. Literally, I rolled my eyes, and I and I groaned, and I just was like, I'm so done. Like, honestly, seat belts, seat belts, and then slamming on the brakes? Give me a break, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Are you yeah. kidding me? The whole thing was just so hackneyed, and then it's like, when they wanna feel that victorious, you know, um, that, that gleam of, of, of success, when the tree, you know, punches a hole through the spaceship, in and space, that's how they in space defeat module. their enemies. Yeah. I just felt like, no, you think you're being clever, but you're not. The whole thing is so predictable. I could have seen this coming a mile away.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, all right. So, listen, that's uh, that's my take on it. You you heard Claire's take. Again, if you enjoyed it, I don't want to steal your joy. I don't want to steal your thunder. To me, let this, let this be for the non-initiated, the non-initiated Trek fans. And let's hold out for Discovery. If it doesn't work, then Discovery doesn't work. That doesn't mean I'm going to default to the Orville. That just means I'm not watching either show, okay? But uh, all right, so real quick, Claire, before we wrap this up, did you um, – I know you're busy, you're, uh, you're acting, you, you sing, uh, you, you, you're in training apparently, kicking ass left and right. So I think I know the answer to this. Did you get a chance to see Star Trek II in theaters? It just was released this past, uh, yesterday I believe.
0: Unfortunately, no. But I did hear about a couple different re-releases recently. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I tell people, nostalgia, it's a very powerful thing. Uh, they just re-released *Close Encounters*.
1: I saw that, and I was in—I t- was almost in tears. It, it just—it was like going back into childhood, man.
0: Um, but unfortunately, no, I wasn't able to to see *Star Trek* two.
1: Yeah, I didn't see it yesterday too. Now, it, here I'm uh, in Philadelphia, and uh, closer to Wilmington, Delaware, than Philadelphia. But um, I think it's only—it aired yesterday. And I think it's going to be it's going to they're going to screen it Wednesday in the area. So I got to go see it Wednesday. But yeah. So there you have it, folks. This was just a quick one off. Thank you so much to Claire Lene, actress, singer, fighter. What else do you do?
0: Well, you know, I'm going to be posting some more videos of me at the shooting range.
1: Here we go. All right. (laughs) We're not talking about phasers either, people.
0: (laughs) We're not talking about phasers.
1: Yeah, Claire and I discovered that we have a mutual common interest in, let's see, the the weaponry. And Claire is kicking ass. She's on the outdoor range. I love it. I love it. So, having said that, oh, Claire, by the way, we're going to send you another, we're going to make sure you get this red shirt. Now, forgive me, but it's going to be uh, the red shirt from the Mirror Mirror episode of the original series with the cutoff with the midriff exposed. I hope that's okay.
0: That's okay. It's it's how Gene Roddenberry would have wanted it.
1: There you go. <laughs> thank you, thank you for bringing me up from the sewer. <laughs> that was great. <laughs> all right, thank you, Claire, and um, let us know what you think. If we were being too harsh, if you love the show, please let me know. Please tell me. I, honestly, seriously, all kidding aside, let me know what you liked about the show. Maybe you will change my mind maybe you'll change Claire's mind but as for now I'm, I think I'm one and done bring on Star Trek Discovery and with that we'll see you next time peace Red Shirts is not endorsed by Paramount Pictures Viacom or CBS it is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only Star Trek, the Star Trek logo, and all names, pictures, and audio of Star Trek characters are registered trademarks
0: and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders.